With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 83 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. Hello. So this week is going to be a rather um, Mets-heavy week of the show, because since we had um, Bradford on last week and we didn't really talk about the Mets much, there's been a fair number of Mets-related developments. Uh, They have come fast and furious even in the past few hours. We record this on Tuesday night, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you all. Um, And we record this um, as... Uh, Jacob deGrom was scratched from his scheduled start tonight due to side tightness, um, which is kind of, you know, code for his lat issue that he kind of experiences once a year, that he just kind of has this lingering, like, you know, a little bit of tightness in his lat. And I think they're just being very, you know, cautious. They, they've already said he shouldn't hit the injured list. Um, and so he might pitch this weekend, uh, unclear, but they're not putting him on the injured list as of yet. And so that's good news that it's just a minor issue he's dealing with. Um, in the meantime, the Mets kind of kind of got bailed out because they kind of handled this pretty poorly because they were they waited until the last second to figure out what to do with this start that they were because they just had a bullpen game yesterday in which their two long men Robert Kazelman and Sean Reed Foley both pitched and so they had to kind of make a last minute roster move they promoted Jordan Yamamoto who was supposed to start the Syracuse season opener tonight um, because the minor league season starts today Um, so Jordan Yamamoto was supposed to pitch they scratched him from the start they put him on a plane and got him to St. Louis but like barely in time so Miguel Castro was going to be the opener and then 
eventually Yamamoto was going to maybe pitch in this game, but then the game got banged due to rain and the Mets got bailed out. Um, Can I just say that we did not get an epic Rajai Davis Uber ride? Very disappointing. For Yamamoto. I know, right? See, I think it's nicer that he got like a private chartered plane. Yeah. I was like, ooh. That's a change. Yeah, something but the Wapons never would have done. Was like one of the like good stories from 2019. Yeah, yeah, that was Agreed. very fun. Um, someone in my Twitter mention said that uh, Yamamoto is going to parach- was going to parachute into the stadium from the plane, um, <laughs> which would have been good. Um, so yeah, they kind of cut it razor close with this one. They demoted uh, Sean Reed fully, unfortunately, in order to activate Yamamoto, which, I mean, makes sense because Sean Reed fully pitched two innings in yesterday's game, and so he wouldn't have been available today anyway. Um, but it's it's unfortunate for him because he's pitched so well that he was rewarded with being demoted. But um, I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, but in the meantime, I mean, they still are playing a doubleheader tomorrow, and DeGrom is not going to start either of those games. Marcus Stroman will probably start one of them, but they're still going to need a starter for the other one uh, and it will probably be Yamamoto so um yeah that is this is is probably a stupid question does Reed Foley go to the alternate site or now that the minor started does he go to Syracuse I think he goes to Syracuse now is there no more alternate site yeah I'm confused I also was confused about whether there there now exists a taxi squad or not yeah, I, think, I mean there there does exist a taxi squad because there are like four or five players on it. Yeah, right now, but like, is that mm-hmm. going to cease to exist like as of like tomorrow or today because the minor league season has now begun? Like, I don't know how this works with like because th- last year there was no minor, so they had yeah. to do the alternate yeah. site. They had to do, and they had to do that this year too because they delayed the minor league season. Um, but this year there's the minor league season is starting now, but they're still like we're covid protocols and stuff so like i'm confused about what like if the alternate site is still gonna exist or if i mean like brooklyn is like brooklyn was the alternate site no and brooklyn is playing oh you're right yeah like but they are not triple a they are high a yeah so, so i'm i'm just i'm very confused I- about well, What's I think happen? the alternate site was developed because the AAA season or the minor league season was delayed to start with. Yeah. Sure. I'm like trying to look this up right now. So, so I don't now, think that, that Reed Foley. I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I think so. I think that Brooklyn's just going to start playing and they're going to be Brooklyn and they're going to be high A. So I think that Reed Foley is not going to go to the alternate site, i.e. Brooklyn. He's going to go to Syracuse. Triple, triple A. Yeah, AAA. Which makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, this Google search is entirely unhelpful on this. <laughs> yeah. I should have looked this up before, before the show. I Sorry, everyone. Maybe it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but. Um... Well, I mean, it's just like, you're, we're not, fi- like, I'm not finding any information on it right now other than, hey, the alternate site's in Brooklyn. But I think that the alternate site is going to kind of cease to exist, is my understanding, because. Like, there's really no point anymore now that there's normal. The, the minor league minor season leagues. has started. Yeah. yeah. And there's no reason for guys who are, quote, in the alternate site, like guys who would be popping back and forth between the major league roster and off the major league roster would, would be in Brooklyn playing high. There's no, like, that's not a thing. So, 
Yeah, I have a feeling it's just gonna, the alternate site is gonna cease to be a thing, really. Um, but yeah, I don't oh, know what, it, I assume Sean Reed Foley's going to Syracuse. I'm sure he'll be back as soon as they're able to bring him back, because um, he's been successful. He's been better than Lucchese. Yeah. I mean. Oh, and then also, like, yesterday, they very easily could have used an opener and didn't, and then yes, today, they kind of would have almost been forced to using one. So it's like you could have planned better for an opener yesterday, and then today it was like, oh, God, what do we do? We have to scramble. Let's just throw Miguel Castro out there and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's just like they... It's very clear that Lucchese is not a more than, like, one and a half times through the order guy at this point. And so, and they just left him in too long, and it's frustrating because you could have like you could have opened Jacob Barnes if you wanted to. You could have had J- Jacob Barnes pitched a scoreless inning in that game. You could have had him pitch a scoreless first inning, and then like I don't know, and then had Lucchese pitch like through the rest of the order, and then to the maybe the top of the order again, and then you would have been good potentially. I don't know. Like I don't know if they would have won that game either way, but like. Anyone could have seen coming the second that Nolan Arenado barely foul-tipped a pitch that yep. the very next pitch is going to be. And, and, like, you know, and it got kind of called back. Like, it was originally called a strikeout, and then, like, he... And then it was called back. It, it was correct. I think it was the correct call. Um, it's kind of unclear Nito from the replay. did say it was. But Nito said it was, and I trust it, so it's, it's the right call. But still, it's just like, of course, like, he gets an extra strike. If you give an extra strike to Nolan Arenado, there you go. He'll and take that was, it. That was the difference in the game. It's... I mean... I, I kind of expected to lose that game like 9-2 to two or something, so the fact that they were even competitive in that game was impressive because prior to this weekend and yesterday, the Mets were not scoring runs at all, which um, <laughs> ended up precipitating the firing of hitting coach Chili Davis um, and the assistant hitting coach as well, um, which they did very late last night at like midnight. Um, which it was, was before midnight. It, it was, was right before Um, it was very odd timing because, like, the team obviously hadn't been hitting for the entire month of April, and then they did that weird, like, Donnie Stevenson gag. They had the fun, like, um, come-from-behind win against the Phillies, and then they, and then they won a wild one the very next day against the Phillies. Like, the end of the Phillies series was insane, and they finally started scoring, and they credited this, like, imaginary character, Donnie Stevenson, um... With the approach the, coach. Yeah, the approach coach, Donnie Get Stevenson. Pete up. Who who is either like Pete Alonzo in a disguise or some sort of euphemism for an illicit substance or something. I it's, still think it's Trevor May's cat. Can I can I go with that? <laughs> I mean Trevor May's cat is indeed named Donnie. So he is. Um yeah, so he's he's some sort of inside joke character that the Mets made up. Um and it's keeping I mean it was funny. It's keeping the clubhouse loose. It's very fun and so they did that. Um and it it seemed like the the vibe was sort of shifting a little bit at least surrounding the hitting and then suddenly Chili Davis was fired and it seems like the Mets players were pretty upset about it because the well like I don't blame them for being upset because a lot of them found out at the same time that the rest of us did, which is like pretty shitty. You shouldn't do that. Um, apparently that they were on the team bus, like going back, like after the game. And see, like, but that's where I find a discrepancy because Pete said he was eating dinner and then went to his locker and cried. 
But then Zach Scott said they were on the team bus and couldn't tell them. So why is Pete eating dinner and not on the team bus? Yeah, I don't know. everybody else was. Like, well, that to me just sounds wonky. Zach Scott unless, did say unless... some of the players were on the team bus. So I don't know what so, that means. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Either but way, they, that just sounded a little shady. They did not notify the players, like, it, it, like that in advance that this was coming. And so the players found out when everyone else found out when the news broke on, like, Twitter, um, which is pretty shitty. Um, and, you know, Chili Davis was beloved in the clubhouse, and that was made abundantly clear by the players who were expressing, you know, some... I think the word Heyman used was dismay about the whole situation. But, like... <sighs> I, just hit better like I don't know what to tell you you had like one of the worst offen- offensive months you could possibly have as a team to me it reeks of Cohen and Lindor um, I feel like Cohen is angry his shiny new toy is broken and wanted change um, If Lind- and even Lindor said if I'm hitting this doesn't happen like Lindor could took complete responsibility for it and he said he was heartbroken as a team leader should yeah I was gonna say he handled it very correctly and so far like outside of not hitting hitting Lindor has done everything you could have possibly asked from from him so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about his not hitting because yeah he took ownership of it he said you know the coaches can't go out there and hit for me I gotta I gotta do it myself um See, I don't what I don't like about that, though, is like he's not the only one that didn't hit over this past month. So I don't think he should shoulder all of the responsibility he's, for yeah, that. But I he mean, was the most visible, though. He knows like, that he's, he's getting all the yeah. attention. He yeah. knows that he's the spokesperson for the team not scoring. And yeah. also, like, I mean, I'm not like uh, I'm not a person who's giving up on Lindor after a month. I'm I'm just not. But he is like at this point after the Mets, like, offense seemed to, like, magically reawaken over the weekend. He did not join the Donnie Stevenson train. He is still not hitting now. (laughs) Um, I mean, there are, you know, there are glimmers, and I say, like, the smallest of glimmers of hope, like, looking at him right now, looking at Lindor hit. It's mostly that he's taking walks. Um, He's not swinging at bad pitches for the most part. Um, he's taking walks. He when he's not getting stuff to hit, he will take a walk. And so at least he's on great. his on base percentage is not a, totally atrocious, which is probably the only reason he has not been dropped from the two spot in the order. But at some point they might have to do it if this continues much longer because he's just not making and he's not striking out really. He's just making like terribly weak contact. He's there's pitches that he should punish that he's just like you know bouncing out to the shortstop. Like I don't. I don't well, get like it. Keith, He's out in front of everything, Keith yeah, is saying. Yeah, Keith noticed that, well, as he calls it, his fanny is flying his out. His fanny is flying out. <laughs> so if Keith has noticed something, you have to know, figure, Lindor knows it, the coaches know it. So if it's something that, that it's that obvious, I mean, it could be a bad habit or whatever. Like, hopefully it's just something that they can just correct that helps him, you know, drive the ball instead of weak pop-ups all the time yeah i mean and and people have been saying he needs a day off and here we go he it's an unexpected day off but hey now he's gotten a day off yeah there you go there you go yeah i mean maybe it is a good thing because yeah like their coaches were just fired although i did like 
Pete say we have to go win a fucking ball game today. <laughs> that was that was funny. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they just needed a reset, you know, after, you know, the, having their coaches fired. The bad Jake news. Um, so, yeah, maybe like cause Pete, Pete really does take it hard. Pete's emotional like that. And it's funny how early in the season we were cursing all the rainouts and now we were happy about a rainout. Yeah, but it's true. One. Oh my god. It's true. It, it came at a good time that like yeah. obviously they the the uh, uh scrambling together to put the pitching together for this game would have been a hot mess. And I mean they still have to play a doubleheader tomorrow, so that's not nothing to sneeze Wait, at, but is it it's tomorrow and not Thursday? Am I crazy? No, it's tomorrow. Okay. It's tomorrow. Um, okay. Yeah, well, tomorrow also... starting at five fifteen. Okay. I... I also wonder, because I think I read the decision came from Sandy. Like, the idea was his to fire the hitting coaches, and then, like, him and Scott just kind of agreed on it. And I wonder how much of that was, you know, how tumultuous the offseason was, and Scott wasn't hired until late. Like, he didn't really have time to bring in his own people, because they said there's just philosophical differences between what Sandy and Scott want to build and what Chili Davis's philosophy is. It's not a non-analytical approach. So, you know, it makes you wonder if, you know, if they had more time, would they have done this in the off season? And this might have been just something that had been brewing and no matter what happened. Yeah, I think it's... They were gone no matter what. I think it's a combination of, like... It's a combination of, like, that the offseason was kind of chaotic because the ownership change and then they had to, like, and then obviously the original choice for the GM was then fired. And so Zach Scott came in on, late in the game um, and everything. And so restructuring the front office, trying to build the analytics department was clearly the, you know, focus there and whether they, like, didn't have time to do this in the offseason. Signing baseball player. <laughs> even though even though it probably would have been the more, like, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the decision that would have been um it's the it's more decorum to do it that way though rather than the way they did it but like on the other hand I also think that like it looks bad to not start the season with Chili Davis when he t- when he like opted out of last season it wasn't there all yeah. last season because of COVID so it's kind of just like how does that look when you're like oh you you had legitimate like concerns about COVID and we're just going to let you go without giving you a shot at all in 2021. So I don't know. Like, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was a very hard, it was a rock and a hard place type situation to me. And that's all there is to say. Well, and then if they were hitting and none of this probably would have happened. Right. Like they were literally last in runs scored for, I don't know if they still are, but I think like a week ago, ago or so they were, 30th of the league and run scored so this offense should not be 30th in the league and run scored after a month right like simply hit better I mean like am I of the mind that like a shake-up for the sake of a shake-up is gonna do much no 
Um, the team has to perform like the team has to perform more to its talent level. That said, I do think there is some evidence that their approach, especially with runners in scoring position, is bad. And part of that can be laid at the feet of the hitting coach. Like they, even though they especially had a good two years now, it's two years now. Like yes. even though they had a good offense last year, they did, but they were still one of the worst at run production. They they hit a ton, but they didn't drive in runs, and that's been the problem this year i mean they they have stopped hitting altogether not just in rbi situations altogether but last year they didn't hit in rbi situations either and chili davis is you know old school and there was a lot of like hitting the ball on the ground and like we saw what that did to wilson ramos and all of that and i wonder if lindor is suffering from that approach and i don't know if changing the hitting coach will help him but it can't hurt him can't be any worse so we, we haven't mentioned the new hitting coach's name yet yes we uh, have i love his name so the new hitting coach is named hugh quaddle quaddle bomb <laughs> which... i'm gonna be calling him quackenbush it's gonna happen hugh quaddle bomb <laughs> which is like hilarious because they made up this donnie stevenson guy and donnie stevenson sounds much more like a real guy than hugh quaddle bomb Hugh Quattlebaum sounds like a Downton Abbey character. Right? I love it. I know. I, I, just, I love it, too. I it's love amazing. I just come from his name alone. It's amazing. So, you know. So uh, hopefully they're going to get shut out or they're going to score like 15 runs tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's a doubleheader. Yeah. So maybe they'll get shut out in the first game and they score 15 runs in the second game. <laughs> hey, they should win both games. It's my mom's birthday. So oh, they yeah, so many do have to win both games. They have to win both. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, like, it's been kind of a, a wild week because, or like weekend kind of, because not only did uh, Chili Davis, did the hitting coach get replaced, but this was right on the heels of that really wild series in Philadelphia, um, which was was wild in multiple ways, but... Um, Perhaps the most, like, the wildest thing that happened is that there was, like, a benches clearing incident. Not a brawl, because the, no, no punches were actually thrown, but there was a benches clearing incident. Um, it was one of those things where the bullpens were standing out in the outfield, like, is it our turn yet? Is it our turn it's yet? Posture, Are we fighting? So ridiculous. Which is the most the hilarious thing favorite kind ever. of benches clearing. I know. It's, it, it, it's the benches clearing incident where they just stand around and say, hold me back, basically. Um, so basically, uh, to summarize what occurred, um, Jorge Alvarado had, or is it, it's Jose, it's Jose, Jose. I, I always confuse, here's what I mess up. I always confuse Jose Alvarado with Jorge Alfaro because their names are so similar and it, I, it messes me up every time. I apologize to both men. Anyhow, Jose Alvarado 
is a reliever on the Phillies this year, a new reliever they brought in. Um, and so he um, he is a little wild. He doesn't have much control <laughs> over his pitches. Uh, he has good stuff, but he over doesn't have no control. Over his behavior, too. No control over his stuff. So um, in a previous game against the Mets, he threw a couple of pitches in a row, like near Michael Conforto's head. Um, they did not hit him, thankfully, and he wasn't trying to throw at him. I don't think anyone thought so. He was not trying to throw at him. It was like a, a close game, a situation where you do, do not want to put a runner on base. Um, but Dominic Smith took exception to him throwing so close to Michael Conforto's head. Basically, well, that was know. after the controversy with Conforto's hit by pitch. Yes. I think it was the next series. After it was the it. next series after that. And so um, Dominic Smith sort of like made a gesture or was like yelling at him from the dugout, like kind of like, hey, like, you know, don't throw so close to our guy and like pointing at his head like, you almost hit him in the head and Alfaro. And then you kind hit of, him on the next pitch. That was the whole thing. Alvarado kind of like poo-pooed him, like said, like, I'm not trying to hit him, like, fuck off, basically. Like, Ugh. and so like it kind of like that beef kind of simmered a little bit, I guess. And so then in the like in this in this current series, Alvarado then struck out Dominic Smith in a big spot, and he got very demonstrative about it. Like, and again. I am pro pitcher celebrating. I'm pro Amir Garrett, who, by the way, just got a very unwarranted suspension for Major League Baseball, which I guess we can talk about in the second half if we want. Oh, um, don't get me started on suspensions. Not no, today. yeah, I know. Um, so Alvarado was very demonstrative. He celebrated, which, like, it, again, it was a big spot. It was a guy who you had an issue with. I totally get it. But he kind of crossed a line a little bit. Like, he went from, like, pounding his chest, getting very excited, and Smith is walking away at this point. So, like, Dominic Smith is walking away back toward his dugout, not saying anything. And Alvarado kind of steps to him and starts talking shit, like, kind of right at his face and starts, like, you know, kind of taunting him. And so then Dominic Smith, like, you know, then, like, the benches come out. Like, Dominic Smith kind of, like, turns around and is, like... Dominic Smith is like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah, exactly. Dominic Smith kind of turns around, like, you fucking talking to me, bro? Like, what the hell? Like, let's go then. (laughs) And so, like, then all the benches come out and, like, but they didn't end up throwing any punches. It was fine. And then after the game, Dominic Smith gave what I thought was a really well, good no, quote. Well, no, it didn't end there either. Oh, yeah, that's true. There was the whole Castro. Hoskins had to get involved. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. So the next inning, it was the next inning, right? The next half inning after that? Um or was it later in the game? I can't remember. I think it was the next half inning. Miguel Castro came in the game. And again, this is a very close game. So like this isn't like nobody is trying to put runners on base. I want to say it was like the eighth inning at this point. Yeah, it was like the eighth inning. No one's trying to put runners on base. Miguel Castro is another pitcher who often struggles with his command. And so he threw... And he a... was clearly going to the rosin bag multiple times. Exactly. So. He threw a couple pitches inside to Reese Hoskins, which didn't even really come all that close to hitting him like at no. all. And they weren't near his head or even close. They were inside. They were inside pitches. He threw a couple inside pitches in a row and he walked Reese Hoskins. And on the way to first base, Reese Hoskins kind of like yelled, yapped at him. And like Castro like went striding toward first base. Like what the fuck? Like fucking come at me. Uh, Like (laughs) Castro seemed to be the only Met that like was not like 
was interested in fighting kind of like he just he was not backing down for one second like no like Lindor had to get between him like uh, Hoskins was drawing at him and Castro was like all right we're going (laughs) he just like strode (laughs) right up to first base and Lindor was like no no no, this is not a thing and like Reese Hoskins such a freaking red ass and so like just stop it he's not throwing at you just leave it. Yeah, and then he was like, oh, I get caught up in the emotions after the game. It's like, what emotions? <laughs> it's, was, like, it's like, there was nothing to get caught up in at that point. You mean the emotions when you get mad about the ground rules of your own stadium? You mean like oh those? Oh my god. That was... <laughs> Look, I, that was like super scary at the time, but at the same time, it's that much more delicious that like he got that upset about it. Like, the fact that it was, it was taken just away makes from it him. Amazing. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, so there's just like this weird, like, kind of, I don't want to call it fake, because it's not fake, but it's just like a lot of machismo, bravado bullshit going on between the Mets. None of these guys are doing anything. Right, which is what Dominic Smith, that's why I love Dominic Smith's quote so much after the game, because that's exactly what he was calling out. Like, he was basically saying, I think a lot of people interpreted this quote somewhat incorrectly, because Dominic Smith said after the game, like, I'm a grown-ass man, if you want to settle something, like, meet me in the tunnel, we can settle something. I don't think, like, people interpreted that as, like, Dominic Smith choosing violence, Dominic Smith is, like, not not in a, like, scandalized way, but, like, hell yeah, Dom, go after him like he like he's challenging him to like a fight go go punch him go punch That's him in the face he's or doing. something he's no, calling out not. he's calling out the false bravado he's calling out the like hold me back hold me back yeah. stuff which is what which is what Alvarado just like, was come doing. talk to me like yeah like if you really you got a problem come talk got a problem come talk to me like what are you gonna how what are you gonna do with the cameras off like basically exactly. like you're not gonna and get that shit. Like the, a real man that was the whole it. thing take it out of the public eye when what happens like you're not actually gonna do shit <laughs> So I loved that. Um, that was amazing to me. And so, yeah, so now there's this, like, I mean, there's always, the Mets and the Phillies are rivals. There's bad blood. It happens. And I mean, like, this isn't the first time that Reese Hoskins has got all gotten all red-assy at the Mets about things. Remember when he got mad at literally Jacob Rehm? So <laughs> there's that. Um, well, Hoskins is worse than Harper at this point. He really is. He is. He's always saying, eh, get caught up in your motion. Oh, he threw at me. Like, Harper's just, like, a baseball diva. Like, Hoskins yeah. is a red ass. Like, Harper's not actually that much of a red ass that I know of. He's a he's a diva, and he, like, yeah. likes attention and stuff like that. But, like, you know, Harper's the kind of guy... I know Kellyanne feels differently about Harper, but Harper's, yeah, Harper's the kind of... Yeah. Like, like, Harper's the kind of guy that I would like him if he was on the Mets, but I don't like him because he's not on the Mets. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't have that vibe at all. Say, tell me that, t- say that about Freddie Freeman. I want him on the Mets. I want Freddie I want Freeman him on, on the Mets. Mets in a hot second. I want him on the Mets more than Harper. That's for sure. But like, like Harper uh, is like Matt Harvey and outfielder. For yeah, him. Harper is very like See, Harper I- and Matt Harvey have a very similar energy. I disagree with that because Harvey, for all of his. Uh, that attitude he doesn't go in and get himself ejected all the time like, that's true harper does get ejected yeah. a Harper's a hothead. he's a hothead and it happens at really inopportune times whether he it's warranted hot, it, or like, not a bad call he doesn't it, it's take it out on the other team like he gets mad at like because i think he wants to he's competitive and wants to succeed so if something goes wrong he gets he mad he yeah but, but he, the same, he well, at the same time, the only he, person he, had, he really fought was the person who threw at him, and he threw the helmet at him, which he should not have done. And Pablo Bon, obviously. Oh well, yeah, 
The, the that one was time I was like he, I was, I'm totally in support of Harper going after Papabon. Oh God, like that, that was, was just that icing was, on the cake in 2015. Talk but, about the uh, most red ass person of all time. Oh, I but, know. But at the, but going, but just go, just to kind of give a final thought on this. Even if it's warranted or not, he he talks. He starts yelling at the um for a bad call, whether it is a bad call or not. He's not he's the whiny. only player. He's whiny, but he's not the only player that gets those kind of calls. So, and he seems to start yelling at a really inopportune times where he gets ejected and his team has no bench or his team can't really needs his bat. So, eh. Yeah. Well, they hurt, both hurt their bat- teams in other ways. Like, yeah. Like, Hoskins could legitimately get thrown at if he keeps being a red ass like this. Yeah. Harper probably won't because he yells more at umpires. umpires. Or but the, um, the umpires like hate him now. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so if he gets thrown out of a game, he hurts. Well, then he did get thrown yeah. out of the game, but he was hurt in was a playing, which is completely dumb. I hate when that happens. I but at this, at the same time, I, just. Oh, because of the umpiring, which we'll yeah, get to. Yeah, because the umpiring, which we'll get to in a minute. But, like, even it sucks that the umpires have the power in that situation, but they do. Yeah. Um. So if he was on the team, I could see him getting hot-headed at really bad points and it having a very negative effect on the team. I mean. Which has happened. He got thrown out in the Wilmer Flores game. Oh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh. I remember that now. Like a close game, tied in extra innings. There and was no one left on the bench. Yep, yep. That was the most stupidest thing he could have done. But oh well, not our problem. Not our problem. <laughs> but see, see, but if he was on the team, it would be our problem. Yes, it would that's be true. Our problem. That's true. He's so, he's he's very he's very immature, and it's gotten. I I do think he's matured a bit a bit as he's gotten older but like he's he's immature that's his biggest yeah. problem yeah um but he but i prefer i mean like again i would rather not have either but i prefer immaturity to red assery i would say yeah. um and he's more talented than hoskins like at yes. least he can back it up <laughs> yeah he's more talented yeah exactly uh, he like he's he's a he's a guy that likes attention but like he gets the attention because he's a star and he acts like yeah. it and so i have i have no problem with that but like yes he is immature and that is that does show um but yeah so so there's this weird beef but it is what it is um the i just love dom smith's reaction he was just like what is happening this whole time i know i know and it's just like she's like yeah come to talk to me but then he's just like standing around he's like i what are you doing man and and alvarado's just like trying to get to him like he wants to start a fight and he's got four of his teammates pulling him back like what is what well, what are you doing, Philly fans started booing Dom the next day. It's like, Dom literally did nothing. Oh, it's Phillies fans. They Ugh. boo everyone and everything yeah. if you breathe like the wrong he way. Said, it's a badge of honor to be booed by Phillies fans. But still, it yeah. annoyed me. I yeah. mean, they, they literally booed Lundor on opening day just because he, like, called makes, him overrated. Just because he, like, makes money. I mean, whatever. Yeah, like, you're literally paying Bryce Harper. I was going to say, like, Bryce Harper makes money, so, like... JT Ramucho makes money. Like, you were freaking paying uh, Arietta to suck all those years. Right. <laughs> like, that's a, such a stupid reason to, like, not like a player. Um, and like, why do you care? We're the ones paying him, not you. 
they they're mad that they're not the ones paying him. That's yeah, the thing. that's well, that's they, what I think. They it have Didi Gregorius at shortstop instead. <laughs> if you watched oh, his wow. play, have you seen if you, his defensive metrics? Oh, poor Didi. Yeah, if you watched his play in the field, you would know that. Uh, and Kutch too. Oh God, Kutch. Oh, Kutch. Kutch oh, breaks my heart. Poor, it poor breaks mine too. Just since he he left the Pirates. Yeah. Oh. The oh, Phillies might legitimately. The Phillies might legitimately have the uh, be the only team that's like a worse defensive team than the Mets. Like <laughs> they're real bad defensively. Um, Between Hoskins, Kudge, Didi, Alec Bohm is really oh. bad at third base. Oh yeah, Real Muto. Real Muto is okay. a really good catcher. I mean, obviously, there's that. So but that's that's, like, that's kind of their only plus. Like plus, okay. Harper's Harper's fine. Yeah, Harper's, Harper's good. fine, but like Real Muto is excellent. Yeah. yeah. And we have James McCann instead. Womp womp. Uh, the jury's still out on McCann. I still think yeah. there's a fine I'm not gonna complain about it because like we said, they couldn't wait for Real Muto to wake up his make up his mind because then if he signed resigns with the Phillies and then McCann's gone, then we're stuck with Nito all year. Yeah. yeah, but so, I mean, what it is what it is. At if this point. if McCann's like poor hitting, like to the point where he's like barely a hitter, continues, like Tomas Nito might legit be a better player than him because yeah. like McCann's not a bad defensive catcher as we've seen so far, and he's got a really good arm. That's his major asset. Yes. Um, but like he's not as good of a framer as Nito, and Nito's a like actually legit a, de- a better defensive catcher than McCann. And if they're gonna hit the same. <laughs> Well, there was an interesting article in The Athletic about how he came in and how he developed a rapport with the the pitching staff and how he went about it and, you know, how tough it was with COVID and the protocols and everything and, you know, trying to learn new staff while you can't really meet them and, you know, having to keep six feet apart. And um, so he also said... He, you know, he did his homework on all the pitchers, and he was like, I don't want to get beat with your worst stuff, and I want to focus on your best stuff. So, and they said this year already, Jacob deGrom is throwing more fastballs than he ever has, like, in his career, and they think that's a direct cause of McCann saying, if you're going to go down, go down on your best pitch, which is his fastball. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if it's morph Jake into like final boss level Jake, who even knows if this is final boss level Jake? Whew. <laughs> like, I don't know if there's another level after The man this. is I... fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> Hidden but, levels. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Just when you think he can't top himself, he finds he a way. Can. Yeah. I mean,. Speaking there was of no which... topping 14 strikeouts, and all of a sudden he's getting 15, which he even said McCann, I think after his 14 strikeouts, and he said McCann said something to him. So I don't find it coincidental that all of a sudden he got 15 strikeouts the very next game. But um, So I don't know. Maybe McCann is having an effect on a pitching staff like in a different way, maybe like pitch selection. Possible. That's the only other thing I can They've think of. They've certainly pitched well this year for the most part. Yeah. Um... Like Taiwan Walker's been fine strollman's reached another level pretty much everybody's been fine save for like a couple bad innings for a bad start and a few bad innings from peterson yeah and whoever's been the fifth starter which is mostly lucchese 
did like it then I think the other day it was a Familia or might have even been Diaz. You know, when he had the tough game, he was like, We're not gonna be perfect every time. We just need to learn to bail each other out. And he said, and Familia did that for me and he was thinking sometime at this point, you know, some point during the year I'm probably gonna have to do that for him. And and that's what a good bullpen does. Like yep. one of them is gonna have a bad day eventually. It's just how the game works. And you know, if you have a lot of elite arms out there, all these good arms, they can cover for those bad days. Yep, and once they have Lugo back, this is legit oh, a very yeah, good it's... bullpen. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a May very good bullpen. been fantastic. It's been good. Um, but yes, I love May. Speaking, I of, uh, speaking of final boss level Jake, um, Jacob deGrom won um, National League Pitcher of the Month for the month of April, which is finally a thing that happened uh, amazingly somehow, despite the fact that he has won two Cy Youngs and been in the final, you know, in the top three vote getters for a third one. He has never won Pitcher of the Month in his career, <laughs> which is amazing, but he finally won Pitcher of the Month, uh, obviously pretty undisputed that he's been the best pitcher in the National League this month. Uh, Garrett Cole won in the American League. Um, and it's pretty awesome that uh, he's he's been so good this uh, early in the season. Hopefully this lat is a minor setback. Um, but this is yeah, like we've said, look, this seems to crop up every... Because I remember one time it was around Easter... I was having a freaking panic attack because it said <laughs> he was going to miss the start. I was like, oh, my God, my Easter is ruined. I can't breathe. And it's always like he slept wrong or, like, woke up funny. It's yeah, like, remember when he had the neck stiffness? Yeah. yeah. He had the neck stiffness because he slept yeah, on the on on a the mattress wrong, and I was like, oh. and, and like that happened to Matt Stephen Matts once too. It's like, can oh, you like right. you guys are professional baseball players who make a lot of money? Can't you like buy better get, mattresses? I was gonna say, get your get custom mattresses, man. Get yeah, like get a damn Tempur Pedic and never deal with this again. Like Jesus. Um, I yeah. Sleep number. <laughs> yeah, and so like the, Mets... the title of the podcast: Get a Temper Pedic. Get a Temper Pedic. <laughs> um, so like the Mets are generally cautious with Degrom as they should be. He is their best player, and so and like he I totally to know too because he already asked for an extra day. Yeah, and this he is knows. the second time he's done that. So it seems like he's been more vocal about it this year too. And, and if this doing... were still Wilpon Mets, he would have like pitched through it probably because they would have made and him. When... And wouldn't have been comfortable doing this. Like I, that's like I think one change that I that I observed. Um, the staff is communicating better about yeah. how they feel now. Whether or not uh, the the coaching staff reacts accordingly is Diaz. another story. With no, Diaz. Diaz, Diaz is like kind of the big one right now. Because um, Diaz in the in was it two games ago. Yeah, it was no. two, ga- yeah, no, it was two games. Yeah, it was Sunday. Sunday. Two games. Oh my gosh, I have no track of time anymore. Uh, but on in Sunday's game, when Jeremy Hafner came out to check on Diaz, who was having trouble at that point, Diaz said he had back tightness, and but he could pitch through it. Yeah. So Hafner left him in, and that proved to be a mistake because that led to the non three run. That led to the non three run. <laughs> no, the three-run non-home run, <laughs> which is another fun the, story. The double home run, the, the, double. the railing home run that caused Hoskins that to pitch a fit over his own ballpark's ground Ballpark. rules. Um, oh, but I, was I mean, they got the call right. Like, he they did. literally nothing to complain yeah. about. Yeah, he's just mad that 
it, it didn't happened. go his it's way. It's like I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Hit it, two, yeah. hit it two inches higher, and you would have a home run. Um, but yeah, I, so it's uh, like right now the rotation looks kind of messed up because obviously Degrom got scratched, and they the already still pitched well yes at, at the alternate site so carrasco had carlos carrasco had uh well i don't know if you want to call it like a rehab like start necessarily because it was at the alternate site yeah he had like a rehab start he pitched five innings um five in it six. it might have been six five or six innings and um and he pitched really well and everyone said he looked great i don't understand why he's not coming back after that like i don't understand why they aren't just like activating him to start the next time like it's his turn like five days from now i don't understand that but apparently he's had he's doing another like rehab appearance on sunday um oh is he yeah i thought i Do saw a tweet about stretch that. him out more maybe? maybe i was gonna say I, I i was gonna say yeah stretch him out make sure he can i guess duplicate it was six innings uh duplicate kind of that stretch without an issue i am people are saying just bring him up I am going to be the on the cautious side and say I'm glad they're doing this. Better safe than sorry. It says, yeah, yeah Tim Healy tweeted in, like, all his, like, updates. Um, Stroman, tight hamstring, good to go for tomorrow, and volunteered to pitch today. By the way, Stroman volunteered to pitch today when the, when he found out that DeGrom was getting scratched. So I don't want to hear anything from Stroman mm-hmm. haters oh, about, like, terrible teammate. Oh, he oh, opted yeah. out. He doesn't so want to be here. Like, Diva. enough. Give enough. me a break. Enough. He volunteered to pitch today. I'm glad that they didn't let him pitch today because it's like, come on, buddy, you had a tight hamstring. Let's not push it. Um, but he should be I good mean, to go. A, a, a for the for the wanting to show that kind of effort, but no, be no, safe. thank you. Don't do this. Don't do this. You're fine. So he will. So he will pitch probably in one of the two games tomorrow. Um, so he's good to go. Um, uh, MRI revealed grade one t- slash two sprain in JD Davis's hand. JD Davis is on the injured list. Um, Nimmo finger feeling much improved today. That's another reason why the rain out is good because Nimmo is quote feeling much improved today. So they are once again, not putting him on the injured list, but he wasn't in the lineup when they put the lineup out. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Matt's a whatever. It's literally a 10 day IL, but sure. So Nimmo is feeling much improved, but it was not Im- improved enough to start, but maybe by tomorrow he'll be improved enough to start. Um, so that's another good reason for the day off gives Nimmo an extra day to recover. And the final update, Carrasco hamstring is penciled in for rehab start Sunday. So apparently they're going to do another rehab start, but I imagine that provided that that rehab start on Sunday goes well, that's going to have to be his last, like he's going to have to, he'll be, he'll be back after that. Um, and what will the rotation look like then? Oh, I'm so excited. It will be like, good, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, like, you know, a lot of people have been panicking and, and it's hard to watch, but it is still it's, early. Like, there's no need to early. rush Carrasco back. Like, take it slow with him. The, the rotation has been seriously fine. Yeah. So you really don't need to rush him back. Well, now with Jake out, maybe, but still, like... Let him be 100% or as close to 100% as you can get before before he comes back. 
And what's exciting is that so once, you know, once um, Carrasco returns, that eliminates the need for Lucchese spot starts and whatever. So then your rotation is presumably and provided that obviously DeGrom only misses the one start and comes back this weekend like they plan. The rotation will then be DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, um, Peterson and Taiwan Walker, which is a strong rotation in my view. And um, with Walker, I think what we're noticing early on with him is that he's been very good, but he seems to tire quickly. Um, and so he he's not really a like go deep into the game sort of guy. He seems to get really tired and like maybe it's just maybe he just needs to build up the endurance and he'll put together a couple set, seven inning starts or whatever. But for right now, he's not that guy. He's like a five, six inning guy. Um, and so what's nice about that is that like once Carrasco comes back, you won't be you won't have these like Lucchese bullpen games where you're burning Gazelman and Sean Reed Foley. These guys can pitch behind Walker instead, and that would make the whole pitching staff much stronger. So, I think that that is a good thing. Um, I'm very excited for Carrasco to come back. I am too. I am great. And I just like just going base, just going for, oh my gosh, I can't speak. Going on Walker for a second. He was out with, oh no, that was Carrasco. I'm confusing him with. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, but Carrasco, I, I, we haven't seen him pitch yet, so I'm just excited to see him. And I, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Is it his slider that's his signature pitch? Um, I think so. Because, yeah, he's got like one of the best. Sliders, I want to say in the game. I'm I'm I, pulling up his baseball savant. Yeah, he does, he has one wicked pitch, and I can't remember what what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's a slider. And I'm I, I really yeah, want to see yeah. it. Yeah, I think it is. Well, he throws, so I'm trying to look at like what the K what the K like the whiff rate is on some of these on his pitches. Seasons. Because he throws his four seam fastball thirty four percent of the time, his slider twenty eight percent of the time, his changeup twenty eight percent of the time, his curveball five percent of the time, and he is a sinker. He throws about four percent of the time. So maybe it is the slider. I'm trying to find the whiff rates on these. Yeah, the slider. I mean, he has a pretty high whiff rate on the curve, but again, he doesn't use it much. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the slider. In 2020, the slider had a 36.7% whiff rate, which is the highest of any of his pitches besides his curveball, but he only throws his curveball like 5% of the time, so. Okay, yeah, yeah, I knew he had one wicked pitch. I was, I was pretty sure it was the slider, so I hope, uh, I hope we get to see that soon. Very exciting. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to watch Carlos Carrasco pitch. I think it's going to be fun. Um... But, that rotation's going to be fun once we're not futzing around with the, the fifth spot. And when Noah Syndergaard comes back, it gives them even more flexibility. Um, oh. and, we, and, and Syndergaard is on track to return, like, in June, um, which is very good. Um, and that will give them a chance to either, you know, utilize the six-man rotation if they want to, because that's a way to, you know, especially... Well, if you have a guy like DeGrom, you want him to go every fifth day if you can, but... 
injuries are are up all over the league this year because partially because the season was shortened last year and that especially affects the pitchers because if you aren't used to having that workload and suddenly your workload doubles basically more than doubles in the next season it's going to cause some problems so if the the Mets like a lot of teams can afford once Syndergaard returns to employ a a six-man rotation I think that would be wise to spread out the workload a little bit um or they have the option to I was gonna say I agree but we'll see if the players go for that because I can see the players not going for that and it's gonna leave Peterson the odd man out um, and we'll see what depth is at AAA at that point. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. When I saw one option was keeping Jake every five days and then, like, playing around with, like, everybody else after that. I'm like, that's just too complicated. That like, is too complicated. That's going to piss off the other pitchers. Exactly. Like, I get you want Jake to pitch the most, but still, like, it, that to me just isn't worth it. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what the AAA depth is like at that point. I could see them sending Peterson down to keep him stretched out because they want, in case somebody else goes down, they want Peterson to be able to fit into that fifth starter role. I could see them moving him to the bullpen as a long man and potentially cutting those like extraneous relievers they've been keeping on the roster, like the kind of back end of the bullpen guys. I don't know. Um, We'll have to see what the state of things is because I'm sure that um, maybe not necessarily another one of the stalwarts of the rotation, but someone on the pitching staff will likely be hurt between now and when Syndergaard comes back. So we'll see where the greatest need is. Um, but yeah, uh, so we mentioned, we alluded to this in, in the Mets segment, um, but not only have injuries been up across the league, the other thing that we that people seem to have been noticing this year is that the umpiring has been atrocious. Um, yeah, nearly universally. Atrocious so. is too nice of a word. Um, oh. dumpster fire. Yeah, just I think like that's a, still a, too nice. A freaking train wreck. Like, I like I know that it seems like the general trend has been that since the since the replay era it has gotten worse because you know they know that they can check on themselves later and so they don't like I don't know make an effort to make the right call all the time but like it feels like this year in particular are they rusty from the short season last year I don't know what it is but the the umpiring has been absolutely dreadful this year just across the board I wonder are there like many that are rookie umpires I know there are at least a few Conversely, are there too many old umpires whose eyes are going? (laughs) Well, and also, I think part of the problem, too, is, you know, they try to, like, restrict travel and stuff. So if you get a bad umpire, you get them a lot. For a little while, yeah. Yeah, like, you get them in, like, Joe West's crew for, like, their entire season. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, you can't escape it. So if he's bad, of course he's going to be bad bad across the board like he's not just gonna be bad in one game so i think that maybe might have something to do with it but yeah they're very bad yeah i oh, mean no. like... the only the only umpire that has less than there's only one umpire that has less than three years of experience on here huh okay um the so like not only have the ball like so the ball strike calls have been bad and that's been like borne out by the data like you know they they run these like 
um, these analyses after games and they show like what percentage of the calls umpire ball strike calls umpires have made, how what percentage they've missed, whether they've missed the strikes or missed the balls, like which way it's gone and like what team it, it favored in the end. They do these analyses after every game and the, the numbers have been not good. But like in addition to that, it's just been like these really awful, like blatant missed calls in the field, just like really bad ones. And I can think of a few just off the top of my head that I wrote down in my notes here, but I thought of even more since then. <laughs> the one that I want to say that's not in my notes before I forget it. And, and I f- forgive me, I cannot remember the teams that were involved. I believe that the Marlins might have been one of the teams playing, but there was a there was a call where they called interference on a pitcher who was like oh, running yes, toward the Marlins toward the baseline as the guy was running to first. He was running toward the baseline, but he didn't get anywhere near him, and they called interference on him. It was like oh, the yeah. worst was... thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, I can't remember who the Marlins were playing, but it was definitely was it the Brewers. I think. I think it might have been the Brewers. I think, I think it might have been. Hang on. Let's see. Uh, pitcher interference. I remember I had to do the. Yes, it was the it was the Brewers because Craig Council went off. And oh, I yeah. It was Craig Council that Brewers. lost his mind because it was the call went yeah. against the Brewers. That's right. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So that was atrocious. I watched that. And so like that happened. And then like and then during just during the Mets Philly series alone, the worst, the most egregious example of it was (laughs) a play that happened to benefit the Mets in the end. But it was it was the McCutcheon out of the base paths call, basically. So like the Mets turned a double play. Oh, Maggie literally is just DMing us more umpire content. It's like she's reading our minds. It's like so in she's... the Royals-Indians game, a base runner, in this case, Andrew Benintendi, was tagged out, but then seemingly was awarded third base because the umps deemed that he was confused that a ball had been huh? I didn't know you could argue that you were confused. What, what the hell? The world? I'm going to have to watch mean? the video on that later to understand. I mean, just collectively drunk every game. Yeah, like I'm like, going to have to make it shit up at this point. Going to have to watch some video on that. But anyway, yeah. So the the um the on the in, in the Mets Philly series, the Mets um the Mets turned a double play that where they got the call wrong on both sides. So what oh happened God. was well, they but before that, they also missed the call at home plate because McCutcheon was struck out. Right, that's correct. Yes. McCutcheon was so, struck out. That was problem number one. That was problem number one. McCutcheon was struck out. I forgot about that. But then, <laughs> then they the Mets turned a double play that like shouldn't have been. But then they missed the call. It should have been one out. Yeah, should have so, been one out. But they got both sides of the double play wrong. Yes. They got both sides of the double play wrong. The original call was that like McCutcheon had run out of the base path. And then they called him, and then they called the other runner safe at first. Up, uh, the the out of the <laughs> base so path call, so ridiculous. The out of the base path call is not reviewable, so they could yeah. not change it. And but looking at the replay, it's abundantly obvious that McCutcheon did no such thing. He did not straight run out of the base line. path at all. Straight, straight line. line. But, and the runner at first was actually safe, not out. That play was reviewable. And so the Mets ended up getting getting the call on both counts. One of them was wrong. <laughs> but they, they, they overturned but one to the correct wrong one. Because McCutcheon never should have been on the base. Were, it was, it were, was they insane. They were both wrong. The Mets should have only had one more out. It was like four out. levels of wrong. Yes, yes the there point. was just multiple layers of wrong. Well, McCutcheon should have been safe. Of... First baseman should have been out. 
That reminds me of during spring training when the Mets, quote unquote, turned a double play. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I think it was at second base. They never touched the bag or no, he never had the ball in his hand when he tagged the runner. Like he tagged. Yeah, I think it was Guillaume or VR. He tagged him with his glove, but the ball was still in his bare hand. And then he threw it at first and the runner and they came off the bag at first and they got them out. But then they called a double play, which was hilarious. Yeah, it's just literally got no outs. Literally should have been no outs. But since that was spring training, so they don't review things in spring training so that just happened and then like I mean I saw um because after the like I think I can't remember whether it was after the McCutcheon base paths call or after the Reese Hoskins home run that wasn't call which was the right call ultimately that was close it was close close, but it was the right call it was the right call but though I'm not blaming the umpires on the field who called it a home run yeah you can't call that from that far away it's impossible no you can't you can't tell if it hit a seat or the fence or whatever See, I would like to kind of contradict that because Alonzo and McNeil, McNeil and Alonzo both knew and were playing it as if it was a double. They were waiting for it to come back in the field. But, Pete was going to be the cutoff man. And but how much of that, that way anyway? How much of that is that they knew, and how much of that is that they're going to play it like a double in case it's a double? Because like yeah. you can't just stop I, playing. Yeah, until the umpires tell you it, the ball's out of play. Like you've got to assume you can't assume that the play is dead until yeah. the umpire says it is. So they I were don't just know. doing their job. I think yeah. they were just doing heads up baseball. I don't know if they knew. I was going to say maybe Conforto was also signaling from the outfield that it had banged. He went off to go the... get it. Yeah, but <sighs> um, either way, I can't remember if it was after the Hoskins call or the McCutcheon call I mean both so even though the Hoskins call ended up being correct like but it was kind of like if you want to say quote bad luck that went against the Phillies and so I remember I saw a Phillies fan tweet um that this was karma for the 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 completely botched umpire call that went in their favor earlier in the season which I also saw the Phillies had a game against the Braves where uh, a runner was sliding home and his foot completely missed home plate, yes, but the umpire called right. him safe. Yes. Yeah. And that was, and and that, that was like a, a big run. Game, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Was that the Sunday night game? I think oh, so. Gosh, yes. Man. Against the Braves. Yeah. It was against the Braves. And I think it was at the winning run, the tying run. It was like it a was. big. Yeah, it was it, the difference in the game. It was the difference in the game. And so they basically won a game off a blown call and so like the Phillies fan in in my timeline was tweeting that this was like you know um karma which is something I I laughed because I feel like if the shoe had been on the other foot and like that had been the Mets that had been like you know the beneficiaries and then and then the the uh and then the bad luck guys like that I feel like that's something I would have tweeted um (laughs) didn't you already get in gotten thrown out of a game before they played the Mets Something happened. Oh, didn't he like motion at the pitcher? You're out of here. <laughs> like, yes, but yeah, because what he was arguing. Yeah, well, I think that he, was he the, threw the umpire out or threw the pitcher out. He threw the pitcher out, but oh. which was funny. But like that, that was the that was the quote that Dominic Smith ultimately used against him for his own player because Girardi said, "If you can't throw strikes, you shouldn't be in the major leagues." Because he was getting hot about. Like about the pitcher throwing at, yeah, at or near that because he literally struck out like right. Dumb. 
Alvarado struck you out. (laughs) At or near his players. But then Dominic Smith said the same thing about, like, you know, with regard to his pitches near near Conforto's head. Dominic Smith said the same thing about the basis of his beef beef with um, Alvarado that like, oh, your own manager said if you can't throw strikes, you shouldn't be in the major leagues. So, but that was the that was Girardi throwing out the pitcher, I think, because of that. And he was getting really mad about. I feel like there was it. something else in that previous series, too, that Girardi like they lost on a on a blown call. I feel like the series before the Mets because Philly fans were just like hot. I don't remember. That this let that the Abu players close as again. No, they didn't. Yeah. Like, maybe you shouldn't have put in yourself in the position where you had to come down from six runs. Uh oh boy, Angel Hernandez. Yeah. Is okay, so going, going back to that Indians play with Andrew Benintendi. Ben- I'm sorry, I'm gonna like bot his <laughs> name every twenty seven times. Um the umpiring crew for that is Angel Hernandez, which he's trending on Twitter for, I, I want to, this is like the fifth time I have seen him trend on Twitter for bad umpiring calls. So yeah, that's like that, more than that. That's, yeah, but I think that's just, that's just how many times I've seen it. So it's probably more. It's um, just been bad. And I like, I don't know just, like ugh. what the reason is, is it's just like, lack of accountability for when they mess up because now they can just like do a replay and like fix it but like not every play is reviewable yeah but also with the replay they didn't get the phillies right right that was that play was not reviewable so they couldn't fix that i mean against the phillies with the braves when he clearly didn't touch home and Travis Darno actually got really spicy like he gave a spicy quote for it was like not even a spicy like you know how Darno was like so bland. Like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just spicy for Darno. Like, it was flat out like. Oh, I have to find it because it was it was good. I was like, way to go, Travis. Who is out for the year, by the way? Which oh. is very. Oh, it's the year. I think yeah, it's, it's a year. long time. It's it's at least a sixty day IL, but I believe it's the whole year. Yeah, oh. which is heartbreaking because it's on one of those freak injuries. Yep. And, and Darno, I mean, like, you know, as, you know, as, as like snake bitten as the Mets are, where it was another case of like, oh, player leaves the Mets and is instantly successful. Like he was finally staying healthy too, which was a big part of it. And now he's hurt again. It's very sad. Yeah. It was a torn ligament. He had surgery. They're hoping he'll be able to return at some point in the season. But right now he's on the 60 day IL. Injuries are just devastating right now. Like the the White Sox have uh, Luis Robert, who's hurt for like a, he's got a, like a torn pectoral or something like that, and yeah. um and dust and he they already had Eloy Jimenez out for a really long time, um because of the injury he sustained in spring training, and now Dustin May needs needs Tommy John surgery. It's just like a lot of like even all like, these muscle ligament like right which... rising young stars too. It's just like, very upsetting. It well, sucks. because that's the thing too is nobody knows how to manage play this year after a shortened season so I think Uh that's why it's also good DeGrom speaking up that hey I need an extra day or something's not right and playing it safe with him with Carrasco like you you just don't know and I'd like again I said it earlier but I'm glad that it's a better safe than sorry approach seemingly this year that is definitely a change from you know a certain other ownership yes yeah Agree. Oh, I found the Darno co- quote. It makes me not even want replay anymore. It just slows the game. It slows the game down. To me, they got it wrong. I'd re- just rather not have it and get the game going. Huh. 
Well, that is spicy. Well, speaking of slow, I was going to say slow. Replay does slow things down. I mean. Yeah, like why bother having really, it if you're not going to get the. There really point. needs to be a time limit. Like yeah. 30, 30, 30, 45 seconds. You don't have a call. The call in the field stands. That's yep, it. I agree with oh that. Oh, my God. Have you just seen this from the Phillies? The Phillies have bought Eniel De Los Santos into the game, but he's not on the lineup card that the umpires oh. have. Oh, my God. He's coming out. What a Mickey Calloway move. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That Obviously, is Mickey Calloway Mets level shit. Incredible. Incredible yes, content. Fill out lineup cards. They're generated by the league, but the manager has to review the names. <laughs> so th- that's on Girardi, then. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Look, did you get penalized for that? Like... Man, the Phillies feel so Metsy this year, the stuff that they they're really doing. do, but... <laughs> And then, and then that series should not have been as close as it was. I'm sorry. I know, I know. It, it but shouldn't have. still, because they're still annoying. Yes. And um, their bullpen's annoying. The whole NL East is kind of hot garbage, so we'll see what happens. The Mets are... The first dis- place team has a 500 average. Yeah, I was going to say, despite the fact that the Mets have had a million of their games canceled and have hit have have the second worst offense in the major leagues... They are still in a fairly good position in the division. Well, I think it's because the division teams have been playing mostly each other at this point, and they've yeah. all had these like pretty even series. Yeah, and the, well, the Mets are now playing out of division for a significant period of Yay. time. Yay! Um, because they play the Cardinals now. They just played the Red Sox. They played the card. They play the Cardinals now. And then they're playing Rockies the Orioles, coming, right? and they're playing the Rockies Orioles. again at yeah, some the point. Yeah, the Rockies. Yeah. Um. So they're they're gonna play a significant number of games outside of division in the next Thank God. couple. Weeks. And they they like they're not playing the Braves at all like the game here, which is kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. They don't play. Yeah, they it they. I think the first series against the Braves is that late May series, is it not? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, anyway, um, before we wrap up with walk-off wins, um, I am going to do my weekly Mickey Calloway still has a job soapbox, because uh, that has to be a weekly thing now. Uh, but Mickey Calloway still has a job, and it has officially been three months and two days since his initial suspension. Well, and they all, like, fired Roberto Alomar, like, yeah. quickly. Like, So right clearly away. it can be done. Can be done. But yeah, it's Joe Madden, though. And Roberto Alomar, like, quickly issued a statement, like, basically saying, like, oh, cancel culture, <laughs> like, more or less, like. Uh, yeah. Ugh. And it was just like, oh, my God, shut up. How about but, consequence like, culture? Yeah. I think the. Accountability the of, culture. Yeah. The Hall of Fame pulled it. The Blue Jays pulled him. Like, I don't think a, we know what happened, but it seems like these organizations know enough that it's like okay dude you're done yeah yeah because it was swift and it was across the board yeah we don't know the full details but in order for multiple entities within major league baseball to care that much feels like it has to be bad yeah yeah because mickey calloway still has a job uh so yeah we'll see what happens with that but uh i imagine we will uh make the same update next week it's going to be a while, I think. Yeah. But we will close the show like we always do with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk-off win for this week? 
I'm going to cheat. I have two. One is that Jacob deGrom <laughs> is the pitcher of the month. Yes. That Jacob. made me so happy. That me and so that his happy. line yeah. is not like torn. <laughs> yeah. I've been saying, like, I think for two weeks now, oh, Jacob DeGrom better be pitcher of the month or I'm going to throw things. So I'm very happy that I don't have to throw things. And my other one is work-related. Um, I've been getting great feedback on my weekly story times for my little kids. Um, and I finally had, like, a mini impromptu in-person story time for the first time in a year and two months. And that made me very happy. So... That's that. Those are my two walk-off wins. It does make a difference. It does in person. person. Yeah. Does it ever? Fantastic. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? My walk-off win, uh, May 1st, was a big day. I got my full antibodies. Woo! Yeah! It, it was Upgraded. Miss Nettie Gato's first birthday. <gasps> She is now one. Um, what? Yes. How do I not know my god cat's birthday? Oh, she's my big girl now. She's not a kid anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, I bought Mets tickets for Saturday. Woo! Uh, so I will be on my way to City Field for the first time since September 2019. On Saturday. Excellent. My mans will not be playing. (laughs) And I bought tickets down the third baseline. So you can look at him. Oh no. You'll get a nice you'll get a nice look at Jonathan VR. (laughs) (laughs) Please send me pics. I still want pictures either way. Hopefully Jake will pitch be pitching though, which wouldn't have been true. That's true. So maybe I'll get lucky. All I want, like, if I can't get JD, that I wanted Jake. And it, Jake was doubtful for a while. And then now Jake might be back on. But then I want Narco. I just want to experience Narco at the stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I shouldn't be picky. But, you know, you want your first game back in, a, like, over a year to be a good one. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Especially when my mans won't be playing. Yes. I'm so I'm so disappointed. Hopefully this going. Hopefully they give you a good game this Saturday. That's what I'm hoping. So better. Send all your good vibes to me on Saturday. Like yeah. Yeah. your done. vibes. Oh wait, Please. am I recapping that game? It's possible. No, I think Oops. I might be recapping Friday. No. I know I'm recapping like one of the games coming like like either Friday or Saturday this week. It's the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I'm recapping one of them. Oh, um, God, what if it's Bumgarner? Um, my walk-off win is very similar, which is that yesterday I bought tickets to a Mets game. Yay! <laughs> I am so excited. Um, I have Memorial Day uh, off, um, as does Michael, and so we are using that um as an excuse to go to City Field for the Sunday game, May 30th, uh, against the Braves. So I that will be my first City Field game since July 2019. Um, and so I am so excited. I can't wait. It'll be my first baseball game, period, since August 2019. Um, so I just, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's It's like... 
the one thing I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like, obviously, I was excited to be vaccinated for many reasons. And like, there are many things that I'm looking forward to. But there was nothing I was looking forward to more than just being able to go to a baseball game again. Like, that was really just the one thing I wanted back. Um, And I'm so happy that I get to go. Um, I'm also definitely 100% going when uh, the Mets uh, come to Camden Yards in June. Like, that's already set in stone, but uh, the tickets are not on sale yet, so I cannot get them yet, because June tickets are not a thing yet. Um, But yes, I officially have tickets to a Mets game, and I'm so excited about it. Um, like I, but I feel like whipping out my Vax card and being like, "You have to let me in." Let okay. me in. Just let like in. slamming the Vax card against the rails outside yeah. the stadium. Let me in. You have to let me in. Oh my god, I can't wait! I can't wait. I know. Like I, I've had dreams. Like, even before I got my first shot, like, even before I was even eligible for my first shot, like, I had a dream that I was vaccinated and immediately went to City Field. Like, this has been something on my mind for a long time. And, you know, we we all complain about them, but there's no place we, we would rather be. And I just want to hear Meet the Mets over the loudspeaker and the rotunda and, you know, I you don't know the baseball atmosphere. Yeah, it's everything about it. Just everything that I took for granted for so long. I think I I, I said this like I can't remember when I tweeted this, but someone like someone tweeted um, a while back, like, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to go to a baseball game again? And I think I said something like this is really corny, but I'm going to close my eyes for a minute and just listen to the sounds because I miss the sounds. That's not corny at all. I miss the sounds like I, I miss just like. The taking sensory experience. It, yeah, the sensory experience yeah. of baseball is so unique. I miss like all the sa- the sounds and the smells and just like everything about it. I just miss it so much. Like being there, it's there's nothing like it. So I can't wait. Um, no, wild but, horses wouldn't be able to tear me away. Like as soon as they tickets went away, it's like the first game I can go to, I'm going and I don't like, I don't care what I have to do to make it happen, but I'm going to make it happen. So yeah, vaccinated May 1st, Nick, the very next week I'm there. So I'm very Woo-hoo! pleased with how that works out. <laughs> yep. First, first three day weekend the, uh, after my vaccination, I am, I am traveling to New York. Um, but yeah, so uh, the next best thing from being at City Field is going to AmazingAvenue.com and obviously being at our, in our game threads, reading our game recaps. It's almost like you're there, <laughs> <laughs> except you're not, but it's close enough. So you should do oh, that. Oh, but there's crazy things happening. I won't lie in game threads. Yes. They're fun. So- you should go to AmazingAvenue.com, join us for game threads, read all of our fantastic content. We have game recaps for you every day. We have morning news posts for you every day. I have meters for you every week. Um, we have series previews for you before every series. Lucas Vlahos just wrote a fantastic piece that I highly recommend all of you analytically minded people um, check out. It's about uh, probabilities um, and looking at early season um, early season results in a probabilistic way. So check that out, um, especially if you're analytically inclined. It's a really well-written piece. Um, so yeah, we have all that content for you guys. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? 
At Linda Cervich. And you, Kellyanne? At L-R-B-E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. Follow each of us on Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, Amazing Avenue Audio. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets, and don't forget there is no crying in podcasts.